From Nashville, Tennessee, Southwestern Family of Companies welcomes you to the Action Catalyst. Each week, we share insights and inspiration for movers and shakers in the world of business. Our goal is to help you increase your self-discipline, overcome procrastination, and help you to take action on all the things that really matter. Sales, sales, selling, we love it. Growing revenue, we love all of it as part of what we do around here. And it's not that often that we have guests on to talk about selling uh, because that's what we do, and that's what we really teach at Southwestern Consulting. But I have a great guest for you today, just one of my long-standing author friends and uh, speaker, consultant, researcher, former CEO or C-level executive. Um, and we're going to talk about in a minute. His name is Tim Sanders, great guy. And this episode is a absolute must-listen to if you are in complex selling, in other words, if you sell uh, anything with a long sales cycle or uh, where there's multiple decision makers, you know, maybe like an RFP or bidding process or um, you know, just things that, that often have longer sales cycles, like six months to a year. Uh, but even if you are in you know, more of like a transactional um, selling, like you know, if you're, dealing, you're building relationships with clients, you're doing investment advice or insurance or real estate, um, those kinds of things. But uh, Tim, his his background is really in the corporate world, and there's some. It's this is fascinating. Uh, he's talking really about the power of teamwork in selling and how selling is changing um, at the not only at the individual level but at like the corporate level with big teams and organizations. And so uh, I think it's just cool, and it's a cool idea in general. So there's a lot in here about teamwork. A teamwork, I think you're gonna love it. Uh, deal storming is this new term that, that Tim has coined and. Um, it's going to be great. So uh, always a great show for you. After the show, I'm going to come back and share some of my highlights and some of my favorite sales tips and ideas that I was reminded of in uh, talking through this with Tim. So it's going to be a great show. You want to stay tuned. Don't miss it. We'll get started right after this message. This episode is sponsored by Southwestern Coaching. Southwestern Coaching has helped over 11,000 people increase their incomes by over 25% on average. As a successful salesperson, you know the importance of increasing your sales, but sometimes you might just need a little extra push and accountability to meet your goals and grow your business. Southwestern Coaching will help you increase your income through one-on-one sales and leadership coaching tailored specifically to your needs. Together, we will elevate sales. To schedule your free one-on-one business action planning session with a Southwestern coach, go to www.southwesternconsulting.com forward slash action catalyst. So I just got to come out and say that I don't, you know, we are very, very particular about who we share with you as listeners and particularly in the world of sales and selling, because you guys know our philosophy of servant selling you know our heart about it, and so we get uh, approached a fair often a number of times by authors with books on sales, and we kind of like, yeah, we don't always bring them on. Sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. But this guy, Tim Sanders, is one of my favorite authors. I mean, just one of my favorite, I mean, people in this in this business. And the first thing I love is that he was a former Yahoo chief solutions officer. So he worked in the real world, as we you know often talk about. He's the New York Times bestselling author of Love is the Killer App. Um, he's got you know, four books. 
and uh, he wrote Today We Are Rich, The Likeability Factor, Saving the World at Work. And now uh, this brand new book, Deal Storming, which is in the sales space. And so you have this heart of this guy, this incredible research and rich experience um, moving into the world of sales with a really unique approach that he calls deal storming. And so it was a no-brainer to have him on. Tim, uh, welcome to the show. Welcome to the family. My pleasure to be with you. So just what is deal storming? And, and, you know, I know you shared a little bit of the story with me that originally deal storming was just going to be a chapter in your book. And then as this kind of evolved, it became, it became the big idea that ended up becoming the entire book. So, so what's, what is the big idea? So think of deal storming as the combination of brainstorming, which is a very creative exercise okay. with deal making which is a very process-driven procedure. You put the two together and you solve all the little problems that stand between you and the complex sale. So deal storming is when you organize a solution team at your company, usually across departments, because you're facing a very big sales challenge and you can't solve it on your own. And the secret to deal storming is that you invite everyone who has a stake in the outcome or expertise about your problem. And by involving them all early, not only do you get improved insights as an account executive, mm -hmm. later when it's time to deliver, everybody's part of the mix. You're not throwing work over the wall. So the deal storming process is, is, is a very rigorous process that I started to develop when I was working for Mark Cuban back in Dallas in the late 90s, and then when I was CSO at Yahoo, and then later as a consultant to big companies working on very big deals that were stuck in the pipeline or bringing back very big accounts that had gone away. Mm -hmm. So this is so the, the thing that really caught my attention about this is, I mean, when I think of sales, okay, uh, you know, I think autonomy, top producer, individual, hard charging, like, um, you know, kind of go getter. And then, you know, when I when I think of like Tim Sanders, I've thought about like things like creativity and sort of the human element. And you've kind of taken that sales idea and merged it almost with teamwork and, and creativity and but then made it about process. Is that kind of the capture? That's right. So, you know, to give everybody a context here. Um, I started this deal storming thing when I was working for Mark Cuban at broadcast.com. We were an aggressive little startup out of Dallas. We had to go scrap our way one deal at a time. People didn't know who we were. We were selling audio and video streaming, you know, 1997. Can you imagine? <laughs> it, it was very difficult as a sale. So I learned a lesson from one of my bosses who was a guy that had 20 years in tech space. And he told me one day, don't go down alone. When you get stuck in a big opportunity, grab people that know something about the problem or have to deliver on the work and make it rain. And I started to do that. And the more I would involve people from across departments, the faster we were able to move through the next level of the sale. And then when I got to Yahoo, this is at 2000, the market crashed March of that year. And all of our dot-com customers, which was the easiest sale in the world at the time, right? Right. You're a dot-com, we'll give you traffic, give us a check. They all died. And so we had like a year to go convince Ford and Nike and Procter and & Gamble and Disney and all these people to buy banner ads. This is in 2000, 2001, 2002. 
So in this case, we faced a lot of sales complexity. And so I really begin to refine the deal storming process there uh, you know, with our team called the Value Lab. And we did about $500 million of deals mm. in two years after the dot-com crash. And we closed seven wow. out of 10 big deals that we worked on. And we just really figured out this process for organize the right team once you qualify the deal storm, resource the team against the opportunity and its level of difficulty, prepare the team with the deal brief, which I'll tell you is what we don't do well at, at most companies. We, we spend too much time in meetings briefing people, not enough time finding the next best play. So as we cycled through that, we got a lot better at it. And then, like I said, after I left Yahoo, I became a consultant working with big companies that had high sales complexity and they needed a process to get through it faster. And so what we learned is that sales genius is a team sport. So I've been doing a lot of research on the top producer. And what I've learned is that if you're a top producer and you're selling a product where there's a lot of complexity, so think a lot of influencers and decision makers, Right. you're selling a, a product that's got technicalities to it, whatever that is, a lot of steps, a lot of learning curve, or the worst one. Your customers and prospects do all their own research. They bring you in late. They think they know what they want. When, when you're in that environment, right. the, the top producer is really the top team builder. They're really the Interesting. top. They're, yeah, they're, they're really like the top Tom Sawyer that gets Huckleberry Finn from finance and operations and engineering to help them close their sale. That's what today's top producer really looks like. What we've learned is that when you take a look at who makes club in a company that sells a complex product, consistently what they say is, I have a lot of friends across the company. Right. I figured out how to groom the inside champion or the mobilizer at my prospect, and it's usually not the CEO. So you're talking about, I mean, you're talking about this this sort of resourceful element, this collaborative element, and you 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 know you made the you make the pitch here that this is faster that it's faster as a team, but that seems kind of counterintuitive to me, right? Like, doesn't it take, isn't it, isn't it longer to have to go and get with somebody from IT and get somebody, you know, that's in finance and get somebody from engineering or product development? Um, and, you know, I know, I know this is, we're talking really kind of a, more about the complex sale than we are talking about the guy that's just selling directly one-on-one -on -one to, you know, like a transactional sale. More. Yeah, yeah. But but, well, but even in complex, isn't it doesn't that make it slower? You would think, right? Benjamin Franklin had an old saying that, you know, opportunities often miss because when it shows up at our front door, it's wearing overalls. Looks like hard work. Mm -hmm. Um, think about it this way. So in the old days, like in the 70s, when we made a sale, and by the way, if you're on the phone and you're in wealth management, when you talk to high net worth people, there's a lot of complexity, right? More influencers, more technology in your deliverable for financial services. So this applies here well. Um, think about it this way. In the 70s, if sales was like playing a video game, it was like Pong. Uh-huh. <laughs> Hand-eye coordination, you did it on your own. You wouldn't go grab four friends to help you play Pong, would you? That's a waste of time. You just play Pong. You get better at it, right? And then as time went by, video games got more complex. You know, you had the role-playing ones like Ultima. You had multi-level shoot-em-up games like Wolfenstein. Mm -hmm. and But today... I loved Wolfenstein. I love Wolfenstein. <laughs> still, you didn't go grab a bunch of friends. You know, when you got stuck, you just you know, blasted your way through, right? But today, think about games like Halo and World of Warcraft. 
they're all collaboratively one. You can't get to the hundredth level by yourself. You're going to waste your time on the same level over and over and over and over again. This is exactly how complex sales works. Because here's the thing, when there's four levels to the sale, there's the contact level, there's the conceive level where you figure out the win-win proposition. There's the convince level where you get them and everyone else that signs off or influences on board. And then there's the contract level. When you're stuck in a level, you're stuck in a level. And time is not on your side. And so what we've learned is that if you're very good at deal storming, you build the team quickly. You brief them quickly, you meet quickly, you come up with the next best play quickly, and you iterate quickly. It's not that you're trying to do things fast, it's that you're focused on the next best play with better information about the problem, the root cause of why you're stuck. So you would think it takes longer, but what I've learned is if you invite peers, not the CEO, peers, and you've been building relationships with these peers across the you know, course of your time at the company, you can get through an 18-month sale in nine months. I mean, when we did deal storms, over 100 of these, we cut the, the sales cycle, if you will, by 25%, okay? Because you know, a transactional sale can take place in days or weeks, but when you're working on a bigger sale, I mean, sometimes the, the deal takes a year, right? And oh, yeah. the reason it takes a year is all this latency. And the reason there's all this latency is because however you're contacting, whatever you're chefing up, whatever you're trying to convince them with just isn't potent enough to overcome the root cause of why they haven't changed. Because here's the thing, and this is what I want listeners to really, to really think about. Your competition is the status quo. Mm. You don't sell a product or a service, you sell change. Whoever you sell to has to change the way they do business to sign on with you. Whether they're dumping someone they've been doing business with, whether they're changing a process at their company, whether they're changing a technology solution, whether they're changing an advisory firm, you sell change and the status quo is your enemy. And the reason deals go slow is that the status quo is a powerful beast. And if you take it on by yourself, you will lack the diverse perspectives that allow you to be the genius that finds the key that opens the door. I, I was telling someone working on a big wealth management deal recently it was with a it was a B2B wealth management deal. And I said, guys, you know, you keep focusing on how you're gonna close and what you're gonna say to that person, et cetera. I'm like, have you ever like been to the gym and forgot your combination? And you, you you're putting it in sure. and you're pulling like heck on the lock. Do you realize you could pull on the lock with the force of Schwarzenegger, but if you don't know the combination, it's locked. And that's the way a sale works, and that's why we have to have the courage to reach out across departments. Because the research at MHI says the world-class organization that sells 20% more than their competitors, the only thing they all have in common is that they have a habit of going across departments to pursue game-changing deals, and it changes the culture of their company. So let me ask you about – I want to back up a little bit. Um, I think, you know, my when I started in selling, right, I started, I sold for, for five summers, 14 hours a day, six days a week. I knocked on doors with Southwestern Advantage. That was how I cut my teeth. And that was like the, truly like the hand-to-hand -hand combat of one-on-one -on -one selling at the kitchen table. And then uh, I went and I worked in the IT world and it was, it was selling um, like email filtering solutions. And it was all inside sales. We were doing scheduling WebExes and and it was corporate. And, um, you know, that was completely different. The, some of the principles of human relationships and trust, very much the same. 
But you've given, uh, you talked about these four stages. And I think for people that have never sold, you know, in much in that as in the complex sale, can you give us a little bit of a, of a high level overview? Again, you said contact Absolutely. them, conceive, convince, so and contract. Of, so, so, so for the average, you know, sale, whether you're a sales development rep just on a small sale, the test and sales scale, or if you're a full-blown national account manager selling omnibus deals, there's four stages. Think of it the four C's. There's the contact level, okay? And you got to get through that level. What does the contact level mean? You're going to make contact with the informers and the influencers mm -hmm. and the signers. There is no such thing as a decision maker anymore. Mm -hmm. Okay, that, 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 that there's no singular. I mean, there are smaller transactional sales where that may be the case. But even today, there's more and more influencers, because if a person knows how to use Google, then every other Google user has become an influencer on them because they Google everything you tell them so that you have to consider that part of the mentality. It's like my son and I were talking about it. He's 30. And he was saying today's teenager can Google everything they ever hear. And it's changing the way people decide on everything. No one decides on their own anymore. Sure. Think about it. Think about that. Sure. So there's the contact phase. Even in a small business, I mean, even in a small, like, a, you know, as long as you're talking about some, you're selling to some business that has, you know, more than 10 people, well, even in 10 people, you, you, the signer and the decision maker might be the same person, but right. there's almost always three or four influencers, at least, Absolutely. even and, in a small and, company. And there's a trend in business to team up to get the best deal, right? So what you have to understand is that corporate executive board's been kind of looking at for the last decade, and they're saying companies have figured out this teamwork thing. It's the sellers that haven't figured it out. So they're ganging up on us across their departments to get the best deal. Mm. So, so anyway, getting back to the 4C, so the contact phase, it's really hard to get through that level because it's not about getting a contact. It's about getting all of the contacts that get you what you need to have an influence map. Yeah. Like you need to understand the map of what you need to navigate in this game. And then you need the information so that you can move to the second level, which is conceive. Yes. Right? So, so that so, one is the most uh, obscure to me just at first glance. So what does that mean? And this is the one a lot of people miss. So if you're familiar with, not not you, but if the listeners are familiar with solution selling, you know, the big, the big point about solution selling is that you have a range of products and services you can sell. Almost everybody's got more than one product or services. Okay. And then in some cases, they can combine with other partners in the space because to use the old uh, Drucker phrase, um, people don't want to buy a quarter-inch drill bit, right? They want to buy a hole. Yeah, they want to buy a quarter-inch hole. So when you sell a solution, oftentimes you're having to combine various products and services and maybe even partners or even customize your service to be the real solution. But you can't do that without information. You can't do that without understanding enough about their business to find the pain. And that's where Conceive comes from. Conceive is where you find the product prospect fit. Hmm. You find the problem that you and your partners can solve and you conceive of the deal. And at some companies like, say, Regis, which just leases office you know, centers, you know, they've got seven products. OK, but you can combine them 60 different ways. And getting the right combination is everything to closing the sale, shortening the sales cycle, and building a deal that's going to renew. So it's a really important piece of the puzzle that most people don't think about. They so this think, is find the person who owns the problem. Mm -hmm. and, that's right. Okay. If, you, if you get through the contact level correctly, 
and you've built an influence map and you have your informers and sages on board to help you understand where the pain lives. And if you are as curious as Columbo about your products and services and their true capabilities, as well as your partnerships, you will be able to put those two blocks of information together to conceive of the right deal. Because proper conception of the right deal to sell to the right person at the right time will cut your sales cycle in half, mm -hmm. right? Because the thing is, when you're able to identify a pain they believe in and a, a solution that you know addresses that pain, you're employing what the old rule, um, I'm sure you've heard this from the 2200 rule of sales. It's, it's also the 2200 rule of brand marketing. And it goes like this. Anything you can do that reduces your prospects time to decide by 20% increases your sales by 200%. Mm. That's why you buy advertising that say Tide works because it just reduces the time it takes in the grocery store to decide to buy Tide. Well, the same works in the sales process. The better you conceive of the winning deal by proper information and by proper product knowledge, the faster you put that together. And that's the second stage. Because here's the thing. If you don't find the product prospect fit, then you're just trying to close with brute force. And that may get you a transactional deal, but it's not going to build a long-term relationship, right? In the world we live in today, long-term relationships are built by selling something that works. Right. Right? So, so that's the second stage. So now you've conceived of the win-win deal. Now you've got to move to the third stage. You've got to convince them that you are capable of delivering and you're the only one that can do it. So let me, so let me pause you there. Cause so we're, we're running, we're running short, short on time. And so I want to, I want to skip the convince them if that's okay. I feel like that's the more, more like classic thing. Take yeah. me to the contract level because you, what you just said about building that long-term relationship and not just closing with brute force, mm -hmm. how do you do this delicately, but still powerfully? Cause I don't hear anything you're saying is, it's not, there's nothing about this that is weak. It's very strong, but it's different than the bull in the china shop kind of approach. Well, absolutely, because if you're conceiving the right deal, then every day they don't make a change, they're losing money or they're mm. passing up opportunity. Every day is tick-tock, tick-tock, if you've engineered this right. You get to the last phase contract, sometimes there's a difficulty between how they do business and you do business. And if you're willing to collaborate with the land of no, that's your legal group, <laughs> your finance group, <laughs> Um, then you can partner with them to make those terms changes as they need to to get there faster. Or if you know that they have multiple people to sign off on to get a contract done, you might be able to create the proper illustration or the proper analogy that they can use as a tool to sell you forward. I wrote a whole chapter on just how to create the powerful device that you leave behind that does the dirty work for you as they go out and get five signatures. Yeah. What an interesting idea. I mean, the, the, the whole idea, it's like team, this teamwork selling, collaborative selling, it's, it's still problem solving, still solutions, you're still building trust. Yeah. But um, that idea that you're really working together as a team, and, and I think in a lot of ways, that's a big growth area for a lot of us salespeople who like to, you know, we're driven by recognition and the chase, yeah. and the star. And so uh, it, it is. And, and I'll tell you this too, Rory, it's like you can have a deal strong with just three people. So if it's a smaller deal, 
and there's just a couple of problems, you might have just two or three people, even inside your group, that can just deal storm this to find out what's the real problem, because a, a problem well-defined is half-solved. If you can find the root cause sometimes, I write about this in the book, if you can find the root cause of why they're not signing yet, you'll usually find the solution, but you can't do it by yourself. And I think that's the thing that this book's about, is that the bigger you get in sales, and the bigger you move up in sales leadership, the more you need to learn how to collaborate across departments because that drives everything. So Tim, where can people go to get to get deal storming and connect with you? Where do you want us to point people? Absolutely. So you can get a free chapter of the book, Sales Genius is a Team Sport, um, and you can get it at timsanders.com front slash DS, as in deal storm. So timsanders.com front slash DS, pick up a free chapter. And the thing I'll say also is that I built a two hour video training program. I call it the boot camp. And everybody that buys a book gets the boot camp for free because the faster you learn this, the better you can lead and the more you can close, especially when the world gets complex. Awesome. Well, thank you, Tim, for your fresh, uh, inspiring, uh, creative, uh, teamwork, collaborative approach, but yet uh, the one don't want to make sure you guys know this. The process in this book is very strong. It's very systematic. It's something that you can implement. And uh, Tim, I, I, in all the world of selling in the books, I think you, you have really created a, a little space here and niche that is, is, is really compelling. So well done. And, and thanks for being here. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. One of the things that I'm always on the lookout for when it comes to guests and authors and people that I'm kind of learning from is I'm looking for people who forward the thinking on what has been said or what has been written. I, I think a lot of times they're, the writing and the ideas that are around there that come out as noise are just, it's basically this kind of rehashed stuff where somebody just takes a bunch of ideas that are already there and kind of puts them together. And I'm not one to kind of think that there's a lot of new under the sun. I, I kind of I kind of don't subscribe to that. I, I for me, I kind of feel like all of us are just plagiarizing Jesus. <laughs> and but the the goal, I think, of a great writer is to definitely have read everything that's out there written on your subject and and to know about it and to assimilate it in a way that makes more sense for people, but then to forward the thinking to, push it out of out of that assimilation or accumulation of knowledge that you push out of that some new idea that really could take people to the next level and i think that's what tim has really done here with this idea of it's, it's almost like team based selling but it's not a a team of salespeople it's a it's a in like an interior team from the company and i think that's really really cool and there were five major highlights that i pulled out i think from that interview, some related to selling and certainly complex selling, but just some things in um, a couple big ideas in general. And I think the first thing that was really unique about this, which is also a, a core leadership principle, is to invite everyone who has a stake in the outcome. Invite everyone who has a stake in the outcome. I thought that was a, just a brilliant line that Tim shared, and I don't even know if that's like a feature quote. I kind of rolled off his tongue. I think he was just being conversational, but that that is such a powerful concept. And doing things together, of course, he's talking about genius as a team sport, and I think that's so true and definitely applies here in this kind of complex sales environment, but also as a leader. 
right? And when you're making big decisions as to whatever extent possible, invite everyone who has a stake in the outcome. Invite the people who this is going to touch. Get their input and, and include them in on the discussion and conversation. And that's where that's where the genius comes from. It comes from the power of people who have shared principles and shared values, who have that kind of common goal of making things better, finding a solution, but then rallying around the, the problem and putting out the putting the problem out there and letting people kind of confer on it and play off each other. And that's just really cool. And when when you invite the people who have a stake in the outcome, then they're bought in. Right? That's what happens. That's the byproduct. Is they're bought in to to this. And now you don't have the scenario where you have a lot of times where a salesperson is out there saying whatever they kind of have to say in order to make the sale and maybe like, you know, edging towards that over promise. And then you got the rest of the team having to kind of back it up, but bringing people in on that earlier, and and then then the operations team has a stake if maybe there's something they had to do to kind of close that deal. So I think that was that was a huge idea. Invite everyone who has a stake in the outcome. The second thing that Tim touched on, and I also originally read this in um, a book called Mastering the Complex Sale by Jeff Tool, and I had Jeff on the show a while back. Uh, we brought him on, and he was one of the other few people about sales, and it was kind of the same space, kind of complex selling. And he talked a lot about this, was that you got to give up the idea of the myth of a decision maker. I think it's a huge part of transactional selling, right, is we got to understand who are the players, whether it's more of like a transactional sale or a complex sale, we have to understand who are the influencers and things, but particularly in the complex sale, it, it's 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 not a decision maker. It's a it's a team of people who have to sign off. And I've always been surprised. You know, some of our consulting clients, obviously, our core business at Southwestern Consulting is one-on-one accountability coaching for salespeople and sales leaders, sales managers, and that's the core of our business. But a, a huge part of our our business, I mean. Um, is is fully like 30% still of our business is consulting with companies. And we have some large clients, some, you know, the big, the big clients uh, out there, the, the Bridgestones of the world and the, uh, you know, people like that that have big, big organizations. And in an organization like that, I'm always surprised that there's not really one decision maker. Even if you know the CEO or the president, they can a lot of times open the door for you. But I'm, I'm amazed that as a speaker, Right, like I have times when a president of a company or CEO will will say, "Hey, I loved your book. I want to bring you in to speak to our audience, and you know, here's connect you to the to our committee." And then you know, we don't get it because the committee has a different plan or different direction. And so I think that is as evolving is it things are happening in teams, and I I appreciated the nuance of what Tim pointed out that on the buying side, we often are buying in teams where we leverage off each other like good cup, bad cup to negotiate good prices and stuff. But on the selling side, a lot of times sales aren't made in teams. And I think that is one thing that is really unique about our consulting team at Southwestern Consulting. All of our consulting projects are done as a team. I mean, we that's a core part of our philosophy is that we provide better service by bringing a team of experts to a, a, a sales problem or a sales culture to help grow the revenue. So just the idea of losing the decision maker and a tactical thing that Tim left pointed out that I left with was the idea of this influence map, the influence map of this kind of actually plotting who are the people you need to get to and talk to. Um, and the third thing, 
and this is huge, huge, is contact the person, like the point of entry when you're selling complex solutions and large organization, long-term sales cycles, is the point of entry is not really even the decision maker. The point of entry is the person who has the problem, the person who's feeling the problem, who has the pain. And and if you can build a relationship with that person, you're going to be able to leverage that person, and that person's going to join your team. It's almost like you develop this insider asset, um, and I think that's huge to these, you know, consultative type sales. Because you got to have someone on the inside because you're not going to be in on all the conversations and you're not going to be able to know who all the players are and the layout of the land. So you got to have that champion. And that champion is is probably not the person who's writing the check. The person who's writing the check is just kind of going, well, do we have the money? Yes or no? No, we don't have it. But that person with the problem, you get them going and um, that's really huge. And also a problem well-defined is, Tim said this, he said a problem well-defined is half-solved which I love and agree with. But the part the part that hit me was thinking a problem that is well-defined is half-sold. A problem well-defined is half-sold. If you can get your prospect, and this applies at the transactional sales level or the complex selling level, if you can get your prospect to clearly define their problem and clearly define the impacts of their problem, especially if you get them to do it or you're asking questions and they're the ones talking instead of you because when they're talking, you're selling. But if you can get them to clarify their problem, that is half sold. That is half sold. And most people don't, most salespeople don't do that. Most salespeople come in and they talk, right? They present, they present, they go into show up and throw up mode as as it goes. And really, uh, a servant salesperson, I would say, at the transactional level or the complex level, is really focused on helping the client clarify the problem. And a, and a problem that is well-defined will be half-sold because you don't have to do the work. Once they once they have the problem, then they need a solution, but they're coming up with it. So I think that is, is huge. The fourth thing is understand what your competition is. Understand what your competition is. And I loved what Tim pointed out was that when you're selling into large organizations, very often your competition is the status quo. It's the way that things are now. You're selling not just the, the value of what you're offering. You're, you're selling much more against the pain of change and the comfort of what we know versus the fear of the unknown. You're selling change. You're selling against the status quo. But here's what's kind of ironic as I was processing and digesting this conversation with Tim is that in transactional selling, I actually think more and more today than ever before, your competition is change. You're you're not so much selling change as you are selling against change. And what I mean by that is transactional selling, I think one of the biggest competitors that's out there is not other people who do what you do. It's technology that can do what you do. Right, the, the the risk to a financial advisor in the future, and we're going to be doing a lot of research of proprietary research on this for our next book, is that the risk to you is not necessarily another wealth advisor that's out there who does what you do. The real risk, I think, in the future, as I think ahead, is e-trade. 
right? Making trades online and not having the fees and not having the money management. And and that in the transactional sales world, it, it is changed. Technology is changing. So it's kind of this interesting dichotomy because in complex selling, we're saying, well, they don't want to change. And you have this whole like latency, this whole like big movement you have to create. But in transactional selling, it's kind of like people are People are migrating towards change. They're migrating towards technology. They're saying, "Can I replace the salesperson?" Right? The car dealerships, right? What? Ha- what? It's already happening where you can buy a car without talking to a human. I mean, you can go on online and pick out the elements of your Tesla, and it's probably only a matter of time before the other cars are behind that. And and if people don't like dealing with a salesperson, that's that's how it is. I mean, real estate is changing. It's kind of scary because. For, for so long, transactional salespeople, we've had the benefit of the information and the knowledge. And you think of like real estate, it's the LMS, right? But now you have Zillow and you have all, I mean, the more and more that that information gets out there and the more that social media takes over and people have their own audiences to sell to and influence, you're selling against that. And so for the transactional salesperson listening to this, I think a huge message is you got to understand what is going on there. And if you're in that transactional space, what we're selling is against change. We're selling the value of a relationship. We're selling the value of human connectivity. We're, we're selling um, the, the value of our expertise. And in that way, I think we're becoming more like complex salespeople because it's about trust and it's about the long-term, not about the short-term sale because they can make, they can make a short-term transaction on a website or if they can't yet, they will soon. And it's all very scary to me. It's very scary about the, the direction of you know, salespeople being replaced by technology in, in cases of banks. And and I saw a website this last week where you could buy health insurance, just you know, clicks of a button. is uh, scary. And, and the way to combat that is to provide a higher level of expertise, is to become more of a consultative salesperson and a value-added part of the process for people and to sell them something that works, to sell them something that solves their problem. And I think that's a huge salient point of this conversation that I hope you take away from Tim. And then the last thing is this concept of speed and that, you know, he's he's promoting this idea of team-based selling and or, you know, deal storming as he calls it, brainstorming and deal making and doing it as a team. And on the on one hand, it's kind of like, well, that would slow things down, but it's it really isn't, and I agree with Tim. I was kind of asking for clarification because it might take time to build that team internally, but the value of having everybody focused and on board and coming up with ideas and being bought into the solution, that saves you time, and that is a leadership thing also, just like inviting everyone who has a stake in the outcome. But it is this idea, and I share this a couple times, I think, in recent podcasts, but one of the biggest learning lessons for me or just things that I've been hanging on and growing as a leader is this old African proverb that says, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go with a team. If you enjoy this podcast, please make sure to subscribe, leave a review, and screenshot this episode to share with your friends on social media. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Action Catalyst and subscribe to our video podcast on YouTube. Thanks for listening.